Welcome to the Adoption Connection Podcast, where we share resources by and for adoptive and foster moms. I'm Lisa Qualls. And this is Melissa Corkum. Don't worry, we get it, and we're here for you. Hey, Lisa, welcome to episode 13. Hey, Melissa, I'm pretty excited that we've made it to 13, that we already have 12 episodes out there. That's pretty exciting. Hey, anything new going on in your world? So we're coming to the end of football season for both of my boys, and that's going to be kind of interesting. It'll free up our Saturdays because Wagayu's games have been on Saturday mornings. And Yeah, we call that sleep in Saturdays. We love when soccer ends at our house. <laughs> I know. it's You love it when it's happening, and then you love it when it's over, right? I do love going to games as long as the weather's nice. I'm such a fair weather sports mom. <laughs> yeah, we've had such a sunny fall that really we've had it so easy with going to the boys football games. There have been other years when it's not been quite so easy or so fun, but this year's been really good. All right. Well, this week we are talking about the holidays and it's just getting to be where we're heading into that holiday season. And I don't know about you, but this is a hard time for our family. And I know it's a hard time for a lot of other families and their kids. And it just seems to be at the height of everyone's dysregulation. It, it can definitely be a tough time for our kids who um, especially have had some early deprivation, I think, and who are easily dysregulated by being out of routine. I think it makes it particularly hard. I think it's hard for me, and I'm an adult with a fully formed frontal cortex, and <laughs> I really struggle with the holidays because of the disruption to the normal. I don't know what it is. Like, I like the social part of the holidays. I enjoy getting together with family. I enjoy the fact that everyone's kind of looking to like reconnect. I feel like there's a lot of, you know, where people are opening their homes for holidays or doing open houses or, you know, cookie parties and all the things where I have a chance to reconnect in relationship. I love that. But like, I don't want to have to bake the cookies to go to the cookie party. And I don't want to have to like put the ugly sweater together. And I don't want to have to, it's not that I don't, like shopping for my kids. It's just that I feel like my life is so full that there's no margin for any of that. And I think that's why the holidays are hard for me now. And so I kind of imagine it's similar to our kids. They're just at their max. There's so many expectations at school and it takes so much of their energy to keep themselves together. And the holidays just put extra pressure on everyone. And so I kind of feel their pain. I just, I could go without the holidays quite honestly. There are certain holidays that I actually really love and look forward to, and probably Christmas and Advent before Christmas is my very favorite, the Advent Christmas season. And I think the thing that I love about it is I do love traditions. And we've had to adapt those traditions a lot since adding more kids to our family. And I know we'll get to talk about that a little bit later. But the hardest thing for me about Christmas is the shopping. You know, I, gift giving is not my love language and I find the pressure of trying to find the perfect gifts just really kind of wears me down. Often by the time we get to the last few days before Christmas, I'm nearly crying because I'm so tired and trying to figure out all the last gifts and I don't like that. So we're actually changing it up a bit this year and we're going to do a uh, gift exchange among all of the older teens and adults. So my shopping load is going to be a little lower and we'll just do, try to do a little bit more special things on people's birthdays instead. Hmm, that's fun. We don't give birthday gifts or Christmas gifts at our house. 
Wow. Okay. Tell, tell me more, Melissa. That, that I'll be my therapist voice on you. Tell me more. <laughs> <laughs> we, we were young parents. And when our first kids joined our family, there were still grandparents and aunts and uncles and great grandparents. My grandparents were all still alive. And they all wanted to buy our kids presents, which was phenomenal. But I felt like I'm not buying them anything. Like there's, they're getting from so many other people. And same thing with birthdays. We don't do birthday parties. Well, I will cook whatever they want somewhere. I don't even do it the night of their birthday because sometimes there's just schedules and things and things don't stop for, you know, activities don't stop for birthdays. So sometime, you know, probably within a week of their birthday, they get to pick a dinner that I make. And then they do an opposite gender date with a parent. So like the boys, I take the boys out and Patrick takes the girls out and that's it. So it's not that they don't get any presents. They just don't get any from us. And one Christmas I did buy a book from me. It wasn't even from Patrick. It was from me (laughs) to each of the kids, but that's really the extent of it. We just, we've let them offload their wish list to all of the people around us and we don't shop for them. Wow. That's really amazing. I I mean, I think we have kept it pretty simple in the past where we've just done three gifts, a book, and then kind of a slightly bigger gift and a slightly smaller gift. But even that has gotten to be too much. I mean, we're at a point now where this year I am shopping for 16 people. I mean, that's just so... And that doesn't count like your friends, right? I don't... Okay. I don't give any gifts to friends. I don't give any gifts to my siblings. I do my mom and Russ's mom and my kids and their fiancés and people like that, but that's it because I can't, I don't even, not only do, is it financially hard, but I don't have the mental space to think about that many people. So this year, you know, it, it will be different. I'll still be doing gifts for the four kids at home. I'll do a little more for them, but then I told my big kids that I want Russ and I to put, be put into the gift exchange so I can enjoy shopping for one of the big kids. Yeah. We'll see how that goes. We've never done it before. Yeah. You'll have to keep us updated. I love it. Well, for the rest of this episode, we asked you guys a couple weeks ago to contribute your best holiday survival tips. And you guys showed up and you showed up with some amazing, amazing advice. But before we jump into all the great advice that we heard from you all, We wanted to invite you to join our Facebook community if you're not there already. One of our listeners said that anytime she listens to the podcast, she feels like she's chatting with a couple of friends. It's not uncommon to hear her respond to the podcast as if she's right in the conversation with us. I don't know. Maybe some of you guys are also having that. I have found that when I listen to other people's podcasts, it really does feel like you're just having coffee with friends. And so... We know that you're not here with us live while we're recording, but we would love to connect with you in our Facebook group where you can, you know, make comments and give us feedback and it can be an ongoing conversation. That is the fabulous community where all of these wonderful tips came out of. So it's definitely a place that you want to be if you're not there already. So you can find that by searching on Facebook for the Adoption Connection. It's the group. Um, We also have a page. So just head there and answer the join questions. And we would love to meet you there. We're going to jump in with our first reader tip. Hi, my name is Melanie and my holiday survival tip is to let go of rigid expectations 
for how you celebrate the holiday, let go of family expectations for how the holiday should be celebrated, and maybe don't even celebrate the holiday on the day itself. Gauge your child's anxiety as they're leading up to the holiday, and if their anxiety level is rising out of control, do what needs to be done in order to help them relieve their anxiety. So if they need to know what their Christmas presents are ahead of time because they're afraid that they might lose them, go ahead and show them those Christmas presents instead of letting it be a surprise. And if you have to celebrate Christmas a week or two early because they just can't wait, go ahead and do that and meet your child where he or she is at, at the level that they're at. And then prepare your family that your holiday may look a little bit different with your child, that your child may not be able to handle the big crowds and the noise and the chaos, even if it is happy noise and crowds. But you may need to do your celebrating early and then just have more of a normal day on the holiday itself. So that's my best holiday survival tip is just to meet your child where he or she is at and be really, really in tune to that and mindful of that and know that there's no right or wrong way to celebrate a holiday, that the best way to celebrate a holiday is right at the place and the level that your child is ready for and your whole family will be happier for it. Wow, I just loved what Melanie said. She had so many good suggestions. One of them really resonated with me, and that was the one about watching your child's rising anxiety, if their anxiety is rising about the holiday, and doing what you need to do to reduce that anxiety, whether it's letting them see their presence before. I mean, let them wrap their own gifts if they want. But the other thing she said is, you know, you might even want to celebrate early. And we did that uh, one year when our... Adopted children had only been home maybe one or two years. I can't, I think maybe two years. We were traveling over Christmas. And so we set a a different day for our family Christmas. And it was so great because the presents were opened early. And because we were traveling, we bought gifts specific to the trip. Like all of the girls got rolling, um, little rolling suitcases and things. So The gifts were useful. They pointed toward the upcoming trip, which everybody was happy about. And the actual pressure of Christmas Eve, Christmas Day was just completely brought down to a lower level because we weren't waiting for that exact day when the rest of the world was celebrating. We did it on the day that was right for us. Yeah, I love that. And I love Melanie's ability to be flexible. And some of these tips might rub you the wrong way because maybe your family has always celebrated Christmas one way and it's kind of hard to switch that up. Lisa, you said that you love tradition and so it might be hard to break some of those traditions. I also would encourage everyone, a lot of the tips that we're going to talk about today really meet our kids where they are and so to me, they're super high nurture. They really meet our kids' needs, and they might even feel like we're giving in to what they need. And so just remember to keep the structure high too. Our kids need to know that we're still in charge. And so that might even be, you know, having them ask respectfully to open their gifts early or something that helps keep the respect level high and the structure high, but still allows us to reduce that anxiety and make accommodations where necessary. Yeah, good point. All right. So with that being said, we're going to share a reader email and she actually jumps right in and talks about how she had to shift because this used to be her favorite holiday. And now sometimes it's not because of 
how hard it is. So this came from Gina and she shares Christmas used to be my favorite and then it became uber unfavorite. Honestly, some years I would have skipped it all unwillingly, but I'm working on making peace with it. So here are some things I've learned and some from Lisa. So Lisa, your advice I know has been circulating for many years and has come back to continue to bless us. But first she said her son has a shirt that says high hopes, low expectations. And this is kind of the theme of this week's podcast. She said she also had to identify the things that she loved and just implement them, even if they didn't mean anything to anyone else, she can enjoy them on her own. And here at the Adoption Connection, we are huge advocates that we need to start with ourselves. It's the foundation of stability and calm in our home. And so for Gina, that is candlelight, Advent readings, moments of silence, Christmas music, and just taking joy in the present. She has 11 people this year celebrating. And again, sometimes it works, but if it's not a fail if she gets to do it and anyone who joins her is bonus. Yeah, I like that. You know, um, I know she has more to say, but I'll jump in here that like for me, Advent has always been really special and I've done a lot of things with my kids, like a Jesse tree where we do a reading each day and we hang a symbol for um, where, wherever we are in the Christmas story in terms of the prophecies of um, anticipating the coming of Christ and or um, different people leading up to the birth of Jesus. And so all of those things have been really special. And now our family's changed a lot and they've also gotten older. And even though they're older, I would still love to do that, but I don't know. This may be the very first year that I'm not able to get as much engagement on some of those things. But um, for me, I should still have my own Advent reading. Maybe it's not going to be the same one that I do with my younger kids or did with my younger kids. But if Advent's important to me, then rather than set myself up to be really ticked off at my kids because they don't want to do it, I should choose something for me, for myself, and and do my Advent celebrations on my own. I think it goes back to the expectations, right? How we're expecting. You'll know at the minimum, you'll get your Advent time, and it will be how you love it. And if anyone chooses to join in with you, it will be icing on the cake. Gina also shares that she has really simplified. So key themes in this week's episode are expectations, lowering our expectations, and simplification. So she talks about decorating. She wanted to give it up altogether. And sometimes I feel that way. I just, I go from like, I'm kind of an extreme girl, right? So it's like all or nothing. But instead, she said she focuses on just a couple things. And she gave up a lot of other extras. So She's given herself permission to let go of Christmas cards, cookie baking, gingerbread decorating, and lots of other activities. Asked, I love this collaborative approach. She asked her kids what they wanted to do in the season within, you know, monetary and practical limits, of course. They make it a priority to do those things. So her kids have asked to go look at lights, go ice skating, watch a particular Christmas movie. Or one year, someone did pick gingerbread houses, so she got to do that. So again, I think meeting, for those of us who have multiple kids, being able to meet each of the kids 
in a special way that way. I think that's a great tip for big families. Yeah, I like that too, because I think there are sometimes things that I think are really special that turn out to really not be so special to the kids. And if I set myself up to expect a certain response, I will probably be disappointed. So I think asking the kids like around Thanksgiving time at the, maybe at the latest, but Thanksgiving time, what are the things, if you could choose one thing to do during Christmas time, what would it be? And coming up with a family list. And then I think the other thing she said was that she doesn't force the kids to participate. You know, the ones who want to participate do and they enjoy it, but she does not require people to participate. Yeah, I love that. And I think you'll be possibly pleasantly surprised when there's that offered control there. Sometimes our kids come around and surprise us. All right. Now we're going to listen to another listener who called in. Hi, this is Regina Forward. Um, I just wanted to share that for Christmas, I have found that decreasing any anticipation for a climatic Christmas day has helped. We have done an activity advent calendar in the past where special gifts and activities begin daily after Thanksgiving until after Christmas. Another year, we gave one of our child, one of our children, an inexpensive gift every day until after Christmas. And for the other child, it was a gift every other day because that child wanted more expensive gifts. I wrapped the gifts and dated them and put them under the tree. It provided small amounts of anticipation with days of satisfaction instead of one climatic day and huge letdown. I also tried to plan for the activities and gifts to continue after Christmas so that the children don't have as much of a letdown and sense of disappointment on Christmas Day. I hope that helps. Have a great day. My favorite part about that tip is tapering off the excitement after Christmas Day. I mean, how many of us have had that like day after Christmas depression and and then it makes everyone crazy. So I just love how she kind of draws it out, kind of weaves it into their life and it's kind of a season instead of a day and it lowers the anticipation which lowers anxiety and it's just brilliant it really is and i think you can adapt this as well to fit your family like maybe you open a gift every sunday or you like for me the thought of a gift every day i would be so bad at that but if there were four sundays in the month of december or something like that i could maybe handle that and i do like the idea of a gift following Christmas. I mean, for people who actually celebrate the 12 days of Christmas, you know, the 12th day of Christmas is January 6th. So it goes on. And I I do know people who do that. It's admirable. By the time we hit about New Year's Eve, I'm done. I want the tree out. I want everything out. I want the house to be clean and, you know, organized again. But I do think going after the holiday is a great idea for our kids who tend to be disappointed. Yeah. It's such good tip. You guys are so wise. So we're going to keep rolling with these reader tips. So here's another one from a listener named Karen. Hi, this is Karen. I like to talk about the holidays ahead of time, preemptively, so to speak. Um, I say things like, after breakfast, we will open presents. You will each get three gifts. Part of you might be sad about what you get. That part might think you deserve a better gift or that you don't deserve any gift. That part might wish that you had some really super cool toy that you didn't get. Brains don't like being sad or scared. So sometimes they turn that scared feeling into mad. 
And when that happens, just know that's your sad part and it's okay. Then when it does happen, I can remind them that we talked about it and that it's normal. I also expect bad behavior at times, like when we're waiting all day long to go to Grammy's house. And we watch lots of extra movies, usually Christmas ones. Well, I think one of the great things Karen's talking about is increasing structure in a sense that she's helping her children create a schedule for the day in their minds. And I think that can be really helpful for kids to uh, bring their anxiety down. I also like that she explained to her kids, or she does explain, that they might be disappointed. And that when our brains are sad or scared, she says sometimes we turn that scared feeling into being demanding. Another way to look at that is that sad sometimes looks like mad. It looks like a different emotion than what it really, the root is the sadness, a disappointment. Or it could be, I mean, think about our kids who are foster kids and our kids who are adopted, but I'm thinking a little bit more about foster kids who it doesn't really matter how great the present is because what they really might be doing is missing their family, their mom, their dad, grandparents, whoever it is. So talking really openly about those feelings and how those feelings might come out it kind of sideways, you know, looking different is so smart. I like it. Just like we have to kind of rein back our expectations, I think that it's almost like a social story about walking her kids through what to expect. And when she does that, she's really creating a safe space and a way for them to process what they're feeling during all of this. So super, super great tip. Very practical. We have such smart listeners and readers. Yeah. And Lisa, I think a long time ago, you talked about role-playing through opening gifts. Do you remember that? Yes. It was actually an idea I got from a friend of mine. And I thought it was so smart. I started doing it. We talked about the fact that a lot of children actually do not know how to open gifts or maybe in their family, um, they either didn't give gifts or like in the orphanage, you know, just all kinds of situations where they just really do not know how to open a gift with any kind of uh, order or kindness or anything. So what we started doing when the kids were little, I would have them sit in a little circle on the floor and we'd be really silly. I'd take like clean um, dish towels and I'd wrap up little things from the kitchen and I'd put one in front of each child and then we would take turns. They would pick up their present one at a time. They'd practice unwrapping it and we'd all sort of say nice things about it because, you know, it's really a bummer when your kid opens a present and their sibling says, well, that's dumb or, you know, something kind of mean. So we'd say something nice and I'd have the child practice saying one thing they liked about it and thank you. You know, we we did it in a lot of silly ways, but I do think it was helpful for them, especially if they end up opening gifts in front of relatives. You know, that's that's kind of an um, uncomfortable thing for a lot of our kids. So if we teach them, this is how you do it, this is how you say thank you, and coach them that, it, you know, they may not like the gift, they may be disappointed, and that they can talk to us about that afterward, but not in front of the person who gave them the gift. And of course... This takes practice. It takes some skill and maturity that some of our kids absolutely will not have, but we can just do our best to prepare them. Yeah, I think it gives our kids the best chance at success, and I love how you turned it into a whole body experience. I tend to yell things as we're running out the door, like, don't forget when you open your presents at Aunt Sarah's house that you need to make sure you say thank you, you know, and our kids have auditory processing things, and they're anxious about other things. They are not hearing those words. So I love that you were really intentional about it and you gave their body muscle memory even for doing it. And I think 
I think is it Dan Siegel says what wires together fires together. And I think that's a perfect example of that because we need those new neurons to build together. And the best way to do that is to actually live through the experience. And, and also the taking turns was a, a good skill, you know, to practice because that's hard. It's hard for kids to take turns. So a friend of mine wrote a post last year about surviving the holiday season, and she had some great things to share. We'll link to that in the show notes. So it's at emergingmama.com. But she talks about communicating with our kids in a really tangible way. And I have found that this is huge for our kids. We could tell them a hundred million times the schedule, but a lot of them need it written down. Even our kids who can read, even just a simple typed out schedule you know, this is what time we're going to get up. This is what time we're going to open presents. This is what time we're going to leave for grandma's, you know, all of those things. And if you have younger kids, you can do it visually with pictures or clip art, possibly even moving an arrow or something as you move through the day. So they can kind of mark the things as complete. I find that anything visual and tangible like that is really helpful. And then also remember that it's the holidays and some of us have, have to have a lot of high structure around maybe things like food And so you need to get on the same page with other adults in your life, maybe even your spouse, and decide, is this a day that we can wiggle and cheat a little bit? Or does my child need no exceptions because that confuses him or her? I know our son who struggles with fetal alcohol really struggles with days that are exceptions. And so we kind of had to stop doing them. And it kind of felt harsh to extended family members because we were so rigid about what he could and couldn't do, but he really needed the safety and the predictability that Christmas or whatever holiday was going to be the same as all the other ones. So just make sure that you're on the same page with other adults who may be interacting with your child. Give them a heads up that they may beg or ask or plead for a cookie or something, and then just equip them to turn them back to you. Um, Or possibly even, you know, anticipating that there's going to be a lot of disappointment in the food category if you have a lot of structure around food. And I would do my best to make something that was appropriate for my child, but was special and something that he really, really enjoyed having. So when he had to ask for a cookie at a party and the answer was no, it wasn't necessarily a no. It was, you can't have that cookie, but look, I made you your favorite treat or your favorite cookie that you can have. And I always made sure I had plenty of those uh, and gave them out liberally throughout the holiday season. You know, I want to jump in there and say a little bit more about food. Um, one of our readers contributed, I don't remember exactly which one right now, but she said that she would make little like baggies or bags with special snacks for her kids that they could have access to throughout the, the Christmas day. And it reminded me of a situation with our daughter, Calcadon, who had a lot of food deprivation trauma and a lot of big, big feelings and responses about food. And probably our most successful Christmas when she was young was the year that I got pepperoni. She liked things spicy, spicy. I got lots of pepperoni. I got cheese, so high protein, but kind of tasty and special. And I made a platter of it and basically said, this is for you to eat whenever you want, whenever you're hungry. That was uh, a huge improvement over the year before where I had been trying to hold everybody off from too much snacking before having Christmas dinner. And we ended up with a major, major, major meltdown. Giving our kids, like you were saying, foods that they're allowed to eat, but are maybe more special or maybe without limiting as much. I know some kids will um, gorge themselves until they throw up. Obviously, those kids are going to need a little more monitoring, but um, a little more freedom so that you don't end up with big crises. 
Yeah. And I think we underestimate how sensitive our kids are to that blood sugar dip. And so I know it's, it was a big thing when I was growing up, you know, we don't ruin Christmas dinner, make sure you're hungry, whatever. But especially if you're feeding your kids pepperoni and cheese, if they're full by Christmas dinner, it's okay. It's fine. It's not like they filled up on candy and sugar and the most, the more level you can keep that blood sugar level and hydration all day long is really for the better, especially in a situation that is really hard for our kids and already taxing all of their abilities to keep their stuff together. They don't need one more stressor. And a lot of times a dip in blood sugar can be just the thing to send everyone over the edge. So be liberal with allowing your kids to snack you know, that would be the nurture part. The high structure would be what they snack on. So we're not going to do candy canes all day long, but maybe just making crackers and cheese, pepperoni, veggies and dip, you know, things, anything like that would be helpful. And then the last point in this blog post, and, and we're starting to get to the point where we're wrapping up. And so this is a good way to kind of start winding down is plan for recovery. And so this goes along with, you know, maybe extending to through maybe through the 12 days of Christmas and having some gifts that happen afterwards. But just know that when it comes to a lot of us travel for the holidays or have other things, it's a busier time for a lot of us that we may need to schedule a couple of down days afterwards, maybe skipping a lacrosse practice or taking an extra day off of work, or maybe even letting your child stay home on the first day back to school and letting them sleep in a little bit or taking them in for a half day, you know, letting them wake up naturally and go. Lots of things to, again, just set everyone up for success. Absolutely. And you know, if you're a mom who doesn't allow a lot of TV and stuff, it could be a good time to save up some of those Christmas movies until Christmas Day and a couple days after and do some uh, family movies so that everybody can chill a little bit. Yeah. And we did have an Instagram comment from Lauren who had a great tip, which might make it so there's not as much of a need for that recovery time. But she said, just learn to say no as a family. You should make it a goal to not pack your schedule full. So that's another proactive way, especially if you can't take those extra days off in January, to just make sure that you're pacing yourself and maybe not packing it full so that you get to January and you don't feel like you've been run over by a truck. Absolutely. And then lastly, we have a travel webinar that we did over the summer. It talks about tips for car travel and air travel. And so we know that it's not vacation season anymore, but a lot of us will travel for the holidays. So if just the travel part of the holidays is kind of making you shudder, hop over to our website. We'll list the webinar in the show notes for this episode, which you can get at theadoptionconnection.com slash 13. And the link for the webinar will be there. Um, the recording's normally $10, but we're going to just make it $8 for the rest of 2018. So you can pop over there as soon as you check it out. It's available on demand for you to watch whenever and wherever you want. We know you guys are busy. It's a fairly short webinar. I think maybe it's definitely under 30 minutes and it also is closed captioned and there's the ability to play it on double time. So we know you guys are busy and don't have a lot of extra 
time to spare, but it is chock full of really practical information to help get you through the travel this holiday season. And once you purchase the webinar too, you have unlimited access to it. You can watch it as many times as you like. And we have a, a downloadable like cheat sheet of tips that you can use. So it has a lot of great information and I hope you like it. Yeah, it's fantastic. So a great resource. Again, head to the show notes for links to things that we mentioned in this episode. You can find them at theadoptionconnection.com slash 13. Before you go, we'd love to connect with you on social media. You can find us on Facebook or Instagram as The Adoption Connection. Thanks so much for listening. We love having you. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a quick review over on iTunes. It will help us reach more moms who may be feeling alone. And remember, until next week, you're a good mom doing good work and we're here for you. The music for the podcast is called New Day and was created by Lee Rosevere.